Spotlight with Sarah Hendy. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Fast am I, and thanks for joining me. It's lovely to have you along. Tonight on the programme, we'll be finding out how Manx National Heritage has joined forces with Google to share its historic collections alongside some of the world's greatest works. And we'll be speaking to the leader of UCM's new extended diploma in music performance and production, which actually still has a couple of spaces available, so stay tuned. You may be surprised to hear that Manx National Heritage has joined forces with Google to share its collections far and wide alongside some of the world's greatest works. Tia Welsh caught up with Collections Information Manager at Manx National Heritage, Jude Dickin, to find out what this might mean for the island. Our latest version of iMuseum went live in 2016, but even before then we were doing digital. The experience we've all lived through the last few months has really meant a lot of us have gone online more not only for entertainment, but by keeping in touch with people and um, taking up new hobbies, perhaps. And that's where iMuseum and our other digital platforms have... Wow, have we had a lot of visitors. We sort of thought it'd be interesting to compare our our visitor figures. So from March to uh, May 2020, we we doubled our visitors to iMuseum um, in comparison to the same period in 2019. So would you believe it? During that three-month period, we had 60,898 visitors to iMuseum. Um, unbelievable. And from around the world as well. Um, obviously, the Manx diaspora people are abroad and are, are very interested in, in getting in touch with their Manx roots again. And that's where the digital has really come to the fore. We also, and I love this, I love this figure, we increased our visits to our newspapers and publications again on iMuseum and when we made them free on the 9th of April um, we increased visits to that sevenfold and we had over 44,000 page views within that same period absolutely brilliant so um, we've we've just really enjoyed that people have been able to 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 use our collections digitally whilst our sites were were closed during that time and um is it free access for everyone or do people have to pay to access the sites? No, it's absolutely free. So the main iMuseum site has always been free and um, the newspapers and publications um, used to be a subscription online but our executive leadership team and our trustees um, decided um, to make make that site freely available to everyone from the 9th of April. And um, we keep getting asked, is that going to remain so? Well, news coming soon on that. And that's all I'm going to say for now. But for now, it remains free. And um, you can tell by probably the joy in my voice that, um, yeah, some good news to follow on that as well. Why is everything being digitised all of a sudden? I mean, what's the rush for this, you know, get it online? It hasn't been all of a sudden. It's just that people take more note during lockdown. So heritage organisations have been making collections digitally available for, wow, over 25 years now. Um, Obviously, with the rise of uh, social media channels as well, people expect to be able to share things they find online. Um, And in fact, um, just this morning, um, 
at breakfast, I was able to go on iMuseum and select a nice image that I found of a, a treasure hunt, um, a photograph of a treasure hunt that happened in 1966. And I shared that to Manx Nostalgia Facebook group. It was as simple as that. And already having lots of likes on that. So this isn't a new phenomena. What's really happened is that attention, and especially the media, has had to turn itself towards digital. And it's suddenly gone, wow, there's all this content out there, all this amazing heritage content. Something we're really proud of is that during during um, what we term lockdown, we had this plan beforehand, but we, we fast-tracked it. Um, Google Arts and Culture got in touch with us. We'd already worked with them a few years ago on um, 3D tours of the Laxey Wheel and Castle Russian. So we'd already been in touch with them and had a good relationship with them. And they got in touch and said, would Manx National Heritage like their own channel on Google Arts and Culture? And we said, yeah, please. Um, we'd love to join the likes of the British Museum, the Musée d'Orsay, well, museums around the world. So we've now launched that. And you can go on the Google Arts and Culture channel. Everything I mentioned, obviously, is free. That's the point of this. We want to share our collections as widely as possible. And also, we really want people to get in touch with us about what they find and to share their knowledge about what they see online. Um, and you can do that so easily online. So on every record on iMuseum, there's a comments box at the bottom where you can add a comment. You can tell us what you know about that photograph from 1966. Maybe you took part in the treasure hunt. Um, you can ask us questions about um, our collections as well. We obviously also have our own social media channels. So it really is a wonderful way. A digital is really a tool for getting in touch more with our audiences. Obviously, it's not in competition with our real heritage sites, which we're, we're really pleased that we've, we've reopened all of those to the public. So, you know, it's not in competition. It's, it complements what we all, all, all do in the real world as well. I mean, um, you mentioned before that they were free, you know, online. Mm -hmm. um, but aren't the heritage sites and the museums con a big contributor to the local economy in terms of the tourism? Mm. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, is, aren't you losing <clears throat> out on providing a sort of kind of income, you know, for this option online? Well, actually, I would, I would, uh, I would suggest that we're attracting people to the island. And we really are. So something like Google Arts and Culture, one of the stories we, we, which is now on that channel, and go and have a look. Just, just search Google Arts and Culture, and then when you're on the site, just search Manx National Heritage. But one of the stories you'll find there is sketchbook tours of the Isle of Man. And that contains a story with audio um, clips from some of our... Um, early journals, uh, travellers to the island in the 18th and 19th century. But what we've done is we've highlighted places like Timwald Hill um, and we talk about those and we provide a link to visit Isle of Man. So what we're actually doing is reaching out to audiences that may never have even heard of the island and thought, wow, that's their interesting sketches of that place. An island? What? In the Irish Sea? Oh, Okay, I might visit there. I might find out more. So it really is our way of contributing to promoting 
um, the remarkable heritage of this island and really saying to people, you know what, come and visit. Um, the other story on Google Arts and Culture, which obviously also these all feature on iMuseum as well, is the TT. So the other story we feature is the TT. We feature um, some of the great riders from 1907 right the way through to Jerry Dunlop. Um, and again, we provide a link through to the TT official website to sort of say, you know what? We're really sad TT didn't happen this year, but, you know, next year we'll be back. So, again, come come and experience it for yourself. So, as I say, digital, far from pushing people away, actually draws people to the island. Digitising archives, what does it do that archives in the physical in front of you doesn't? It gives you, it's a very good question, it gives you new ways of um, exploring the, the information that they contain. Um, I mean, a really good example, probably archives is a good example because family history is a, a huge audience for us and iMuseum provides wonderful family history resources. You've got your parish registers, your census, your photographs and I've got to say again, the newspapers. Um, before we digitised the newspapers um, from 1792 to 1960, you really had to <laughs> visit our reading room and laboriously scroll through microfilm to find, you know, mention of your, your ancestor. Now, you can just, from the comfort of your own home, um, yeah, sit there, um, search for a name, um, and see the articles come up on screen, you know, within a matter of seconds, which, you know, is wonderful. Now, none of this, of course, replaces the importance of the original document. It doesn't. It just makes searching um, that much easier. Nothing replaces that feeling of being in touch with an actual object from the time. or um, So, yeah, it's, it's not what it's intending to do. It's intending to make it more accessible, the information more accessible. Probably a really good example of how digital can enhance our understanding of our heritage is our um, digitisation, well, 3D, um, the fruit the 3D models we created of the Manx Crosses. The Manx Crosses 3D models allows people to turn the Manx Cross digitally on screen and to zoom in on the detail of the amazing carving. Um, you know, you can, you can go really close in. Um, obviously, these are the Viking Crosses. Now, before we did that, we didn't have anything like that. You couldn't compare crosses to one another because they're scattered across our island. So... From academics to school kids, you know, interested in the in you know the 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 interlaced patterns on the crosses, it's it's really opened that up to people as well. What does the future look like for um, museums? I mean, will they survive given the fast moving development of um, you know the internet and digitization? Will we see museums? still standing in the future you know I've, 50 years to come heritage um in the form of museums um and historic buildings and the arts are more crucial than ever um i think with together not only manx national heritage here but across the uk and across the world i think um museums have played a crucial role in um reaffirming that sense of community and identity that people need 
during a time like this? You know, I've 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 been online during this time, and and I'm sure your listeners have, and have seen how people have the clap for carers, um, the artwork that has come out, the rainbow uh, symbols. All all of this is really part of our history, and it's a shared history. It's a shared global history. And one thing that we we've done at Manx National Heritage is our Collecting COVID Isle of Man, which we launched during lockdown. So it had to be very much a digital uh, response um, to the emergency. And we invited our community across the island to to contribute digitally their current experience of the pandemic um, in all its forms. And the response we got has been amazing. And we're now um, looking at all those contributions and we're looking now to archive those and retain them and add them to part of the the, the nation's history which is what we look after um so yeah short answer to your question is far from museums disappearing from the landscape i really think they've come to the fore in this that's not to say um it's tough times um, economically, um, not only for ourselves, but for the whole heritage sector. But we're so pleased here on the island to have been able to reopen our sites and to welcome visitors back to us. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Leader of the new music course at UCM, Chris Kelly, is our next guest today. He's here to tell us about the University of the Arts London Extended Diploma in Music Performance and Production, which will be available at the University College Isle of Man next semester. Chris is a highly accomplished musician and producer whose experience at UCM over the last year will stand him in very good stead as leader of this exciting course. So for the last year I've been, I was doing maternity cover actually for a member of staff and uh, I was the course tutor for the Level 2 Media course and so I led that course basically and in addition to that I also taught on the Level 3 media course and a bit of the Level 3 art course and the 1416 course and the Level 1 course so I was sort of all over the place really um but I was I was in full time so it meant that I got to experience a lot of the different courses and that really kind of helped me set up the level three music course because I knew what all the different departments were doing all the different exam boards and I could choose the right one and Mm -hmm. yeah so it's really been quite helpful tell us about the process of identifying the right exam board it's a really big decision to have to make yeah it is and I mean, when I first moved over here, and I, we're talking about a decade ago, probably, I was surprised that we didn't have a course like this over here, because um, it's the kind of course that I did when I was at college. And um, a lot of the courses you find, they're quite prescriptive in what they, they teach, and that's that's a really good way to get a formal academic qualification. This one's a lot less prescriptive, um, so it gives them more opportunity to try different things and go in the way that they want to go, whilst we're still supporting them academically. Um, and as I say, I was surprised that that didn't really exist until now. So it was trying to find the right course that was not not going to just channel them in one particular direction, really, and give them the options to work in the industry in all different ways. Mm-hmm. The number of subjects, the different areas of music production that people can cover on this course, tell us about some of them because you couldn't possibly list them all. Yeah, I mean, there's there's hundreds, aren't there? I mean, every every time you hear sound anywhere that's been arranged for a particular reason, that's that's come from a a sound 
designer or a musician or somewhere mm-hmm. um, and it's absolutely everywhere and all of our tutors are professionals in the industry in some way or another so th- we all have different areas that we work in ourselves and of course that connects to other areas and to other areas so yeah it's it's all over the place it's everywhere because i mean some of the um modules are performance improvisation songwriting composing um concert production and staging working developing as a musical ensemble it's just huge what kind of what kind of careers might people look to be going into um if if they're looking at studying this course okay so there's um there's a lot of digital music at the moment that everything that's written for films and TVs and video games is a massive industry, especially for music at the moment. Um, so there's, there's ways to look at it that way. There's also uh, sessional musicians who do things more, more formally based music. They might focus on that. There's production work, there's writing albums and things that they can do as well. Um, but just anywhere there's music, really, this course lends itself to all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is this for? Is this um, a qualification which, which is aimed at school leavers or is this something that you see people of all ages and backgrounds coming to study here? Yeah, I mean, this, this first year we've got some people of different ages and backgrounds. It's not all just school leavers. Um, the course has its its academic purpose, which is the universities love this course because it, it sort of teaches them in a similar way to the universities do, so they're already prepared to learn in that way. But on the other side of that is... Uh, that it, it does touch on all the different industries that you can work in. So it's more a practical based, it's, it's like a vocational course really in, in that respect, which is kind of what the college does really well. We can do, we're allowed to do that. So um, yeah, it's kind of that vocational basis and we'll get you working in different industry areas and seeing what really fits you. Mm-hmm. Sounds a lot like the arts, visual arts foundation course. Yeah, so our, we're in, in with the, the art and media department. Um, so we're part of that program area and it's the same course that it's the same course provider that they run so it is a very open course and actually there's opportunities to work across those areas as well so with those areas uh, in combination I'm looking at the moment into the feasibility of that assessment wise but it's um but yeah they do sort of cross over really well and this is beginning this year this academic year it's a full-time course for two years is that right yeah that's right yeah so it's um full-time you get a day that's called it well a day's worth of hours which is independent study um and the rest of that you're in being taught so it's it's four full days tuition and then a day's worth of going and doing the study yourself because you have to do a bit of that and in this of course they're going to be working on group performances and all these things that you can't do in a classroom environment so how does this course compare to other options such as A-levels or something? Okay, so an A-level is uh, is worth a certain amount of, say, UCAS points. You tend to do an A-level in music alongside an A-level in something else and something else. Uh, this is actually worth three A-levels or the equivalent of three A-levels, so you just do music all the time. Um, so it's a bit like the, the BTEC sort of level, only this is UAL, so it's slightly different again. Yeah, UAL, um, there aren't many places which teach courses run by UAL, are there? Yeah, I mean, they they don't really push the courses at UAL. They sort of allow people to find them, which I think is quite nice. Um, so there are a lot less places that do the UAL course, um, but we are one of them, and we do that with the... They found that for the art course and the media course, and actually it really suits the music course for us. This is a really valuable industry, despite the recent difficulties so many different areas of this industry have faced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, the the industry at the moment is is a little bit in turmoil, live performance-wise especially. 
um, but there are other areas of this industry that have really flourished um, because it's been so necessary. I mean, you think we we got to a point where there were no there were no new TV shows happening and uh, all the soap operas stopped and things like that. People still need entertainment, so you know, um, recorded music and recorded TV shows and things like that, and the the sound that's involved in that, it's all really necessary, and a lot of that can be done from a a digital standpoint from a home environment, mm-hmm. and it has to be it has to be done really well. And a lot, I know a lot of the industry have really struggled to maintain their positions, but a lot of them, as I say, really flourished with it. Which units are you most excited about teaching? Like, it's huge, and, you know, there are so many different aspects to this, but is there one in particular that you're preparing for and you're feeling, like, the, the real excitement about? So, with the UAL course, um, one of the final units to do each year is called an FMP, which is a final major project, and that's always a really exciting time because they, essentially, they do whatever their heart desires within that course. Um, it has to meet certain criteria, but it, it could be absolutely anything. That's a really exciting time. I mean, imagine the, the art course, the media course, and the music course. Every single student is doing something that they're really invested in and really excited about. It's a really nice atmosphere then. If someone were to enrol on this course, what might their day look like? Is there What kind of structure do the days take? Yeah, we try and even it out a little bit so they get a bit of computer work and a bit of uh, group performance work and some time to work on their solo work themselves. Uh, there's also the the traditional classroom setting where we will discuss music and we'll we will talk about uh, music history. Uh, the first module that they're doing is a world music module because I think and I like to think that's a, a nice leveler because everybody obviously plays their instrument, but not many people are probably playing djembe as their instrument or samba as their instrument. There might be some, but generally that's not the case. So it's a nice leveler, and uh, so with that, it's kind of it's experiencing new ways to to create music, new ways to experience music, and then adapting that into their own their own practice, really. Mm-hmm. It takes people slightly outside their comfort zones and encourages them to discover something new. Um, what are the entry requirements for this course? Okay, so to, um, to come on the Level 3 course, you need three A-levels, uh, A to C, generally. Um, there is some leeway in that, especially at the moment with the, the exam results going how they are. Um, in addition to that, those A to Cs don't have to be in maths and English for this course uh, because it is actually more important that you, you have some music ability. Um, the auditions that we managed to do before lockdown and the meetings that I've had since then, we've, we've had the students perform something as part of their interview uh, just to give them, uh, us an idea of where they're at, what instruments they're playing. I mean, it'd be no good for us to have 15 drummers, for example. I mean, there's only so much you can do with that. But we do need. We also don't need 15 people that play the piano. We need a, a variety of students. So it's, it's one of the few courses, actually, that we do need that variety to be able to work together. Um, and it's that being able to transfer that musical ability to other things really is as important as the academics. We are still taking a couple of late applications, so there is, there is the ability to still apply for this course. I say a couple, I mean there's probably two spaces left on the course. Um, if you go through the college website, uh, you can direct to through the arts and media and music section. Uh, you can see about the course on there. It's a UAL Level 3 Extended Diploma in Music Performance and Production. So you can search through it through UAL as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would encourage anybody that's interested in music and wants to develop it into a career to look at this course and consider it. Performance is one very important aspect of this course. Will there be any public performances that we can look forward to coming and enjoying? Oh yeah, I'm going to be encouraging them to do, um, because obviously 
as an academic establishment, you're encouraged to do a lot of your assessments within the academic environment. I don't agree with that, especially for music. So um, it'll be getting them out there in the community and doing things for a reason, because um, that's as, as important as being able to perform is performing for a reason, for a purpose. And I'm afraid that's all we have time for this evening, but I'll be back next Wednesday just after six. And in the meantime, if there's anything you'd like to share with the Spotlight community, just pop an email over to spotlight at manxradio.com. And don't forget, you can find the free podcast weekly at manxradio.com just after the show. So have a lovely creative week. Slen you. Slen you.